0: If you brought your Bibles, you can open them to Romans chapter 12, and that's a change for us. Because, man, for what, 15 weeks we were in the, uh, in the book of Mark. We went all the way through Mark. And I want to spend just the, the first couple of weeks of this month talking about rhythm. Um, rhythm is, is all about uh, patterns, and rhythm is, is about flow, flow. Uh, it's about pulse. It's, rhythm is about tempo and timing. And there's a joke I could make about our worship team right now, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to. Um, yeah. Rhythm. Like, rhythm's one of these interesting things. Like, when, uh, uh, when you got it, you know you got it. Like, like you don't have to think, oh... You just know that it's there. And when you don't have it, it's just as obvious, right? Uh, uh, I'm still learning to play golf and I'm learning that rhythm in a golf swing is something that's really important. Because when your swing is out of rhythm, bad things can happen and people like Bob Brown beat you. It's horrible. Worst thing that can happen. Um, you uh, You can dribble a basketball out of rhythm, but it just looks ugly, right? Have you ever seen kids learning to dribble for the first time? They're swatting at it three or four times, and it doesn't just keep you. You need to have a little bit of rhythm uh, when you play sports with with your teammates. You need to have some rhythm in your in your game. If a team is just out of rhythm, if a quarterback's out of rhythm with a receiver, or or a, a first baseman is out of rhythm with 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 the outfield it just it just doesn't work when you swing a bat if it's if it's out of rhythm you're never going to quite connect it's it's not going to be true but you know when you get it perfect right you can drive your car with the timing off it's not pretty but you can do it and you will know man something something needs to change um uh, maybe rhythm is, is the most important when you play in a band or in an orchestra. That's why I would never, ever, ever want to be this guy. Go ahead and throw, show that. This guy in an orchestra, right? This cymbals guy. Because he only has, I don't know, do they have notes? Like, but he's got one moment, right? Like He's got one moment in this whole big thing. And everything that the orchestra does, they can play it perfect. But at the end of the song, when it comes time for that cymbal crash, if he is off just a microsecond, everybody knows it. My concern is that those moments of, of balance, those moments of, of really living in, in a kind of true rhythm with, with our spouses, with our families even with our with our churches are becoming fewer and further between that most of us spend incredible amounts of time trying to manage our lives that are either too fast happening too fast or or stuttering and stopping or we are all struggling to find some sort of rhythm to to find some sort of life rhythm and our rhythm tells us something about us doesn't it like You can learn a lot about a person by just looking at the rhythm of their life. So the next couple of weeks, I want to I talk about your time, your pulse, your, your patterns, your flow, your tempo. I want to talk about the rhythms of your life. And, and I think Jesus actually gives us some examples, and we're going to go there next week. But, but really, this week, I was led to Romans chapter 12, talking about rhythm. Um. Romans is this, this great book, and it's not in my nature just to kind of pick one chapter. So I'm going to give you a brief little synopsis of Romans, and then we're going to read a lot of Scripture today, if that's okay. We're going to read all. In fact, we're going to read all of chapter 12. Uh, the, Martin Luther had this to say about the book of Romans, and, and one day eventually maybe I'll, we'll teach through the whole thing. But today we're just going to look at chapter 12. Luther said, Romans is worthy not only that every Christian should know it word for word by heart, but occupy himself with it every day as the daily bread of the soul. It can never be read or ponder too much, and the more it is dealt with, the more precious it becomes, and the better it tastes. That's a pretty glowing recommendation for the book of Romans, right? Paul is is writing to the Romans, to the Roman churches, to the house churches. The, the, the churches have been kicked out of Rome, and now they're kind of coming back. And, and in these churches, there's a couple of different sects. There, is a, there are Jewish Christians, and there are Gentile Christians, and they're living in Rome, which is kind of like the epicenter, the decision-making city of the world at, at that point in time. It, it kind of dictates culture and fashion and thinking and music and art. It's, it's the center where it's all happening. And Paul, who hasn't been to Rome at this point yet, is writing to Christians from different backgrounds who are trying to find some sort of flow, some sort of pattern, some sort of rhythm of life in this really different kind of context. And Paul points them very specifically to Jesus. <clears throat> These men and women whose lives are horribly out of rhythm, Jesus, uh, Paul points them again to the victory that they have achieved in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let me give you a snippet of what he's talking about. So for Paul, everything that has to do with rhythm is grounded in this idea of good news of Jesus. Look in chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. I just want to give you a snippet of kind of here is Paul's thinking. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up to, for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are all killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, what are those next two words? Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. And I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or worries about tomorrow, tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above. Nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so the, Romans are, uh, the Roman Christians are looking for some sort of rhythm of life. Their lives are horribly out of rhythm. And Paul says, if you want to find rhythm, just look to the victory that you have achieved in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The overwhelming victory that is Christ's love. It's a love that you can't even be separated from. You can't be pulled away from it. We have received overwhelming victory through God's love displayed in Christ's sacrifice. In, in, in 11 chapters, the first 11 chapters, uh, this, is, this is Paul's heartbeat. He is drumming this idea of the good news. Uh, we just had Christmas. Christ is born. What does that mean for us? Why is it good news? Because he's born. You have received overwhelming victory. And so for 11 chapters, the first 11 chapters of Romans, he's hammering this idea. And the next three chapters, beginning in chapter 12, Paul says, this is how you can live out that good news. If Jesus' resurrection is good news of his birth, his death, his burial, his resurrection is good news for us, how do we live that out? How do we live out the overwhelming victory that we've received through the love of Christ? And in verse 12, I think this is what he's doing. I'm sorry, in chapter 12, he says, this is what it looks like to live in rhythm with God. This is what it looks like to live out this kind of good news. In in all of the pressures of Rome and different cultures and different backgrounds, let me show you a different rhythm that is born out of Christ Jesus. So I'm going to read chapter 12 to you, and, and maybe this will make a little bit more sense when I do that. Let's just read all of chapter 12, and then we'll go back through and walk through it together. Uh, I think this is going to be super powerful. So listen to these words. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for us. What has he done for us? Gave his life, right? Because of the good news, because of who he is, because all he has done for you, Let your lives be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. You hear the Roman language in there? Don't copy them, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are, but be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you and don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony. That's rhythm language, right? Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you. But conquer evil by doing, what's it say? These are powerful words. Let's take a walk through them just briefly. We're not going to touch on everything, but I want to walk through this. Beginning in verse 1. So, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all he has done for you, because of the good news of Jesus Christ, because of who he is, because of his sacrifice, because he was born of a virgin and he gave his life for you because of the good news. Give your bodies to God. This is, this is a kind of living sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable Christ's life given for you because you have received overwhelming victory. What can we do? We can give our lives in return. We can be living sacrifices. It says to give your bodies to God, but really what it means is give your whole self. He's not just talking about your physical, well, I was here, check off attendance kind of self. But but give your whole self. What if we replace the word bodies and used instead? Give, uh, give your bodies to God. Give your attitudes to God. Give your energy to God. Give your, give your priorities to God. Give your cares, your worries, your fears to God. Give your early mornings to God. Give your waiting in traffic time to God. Give your family meal time to God. Give, give your calendars and your schedule and your appointment book. Give your attention to God. Give your pattern, your pulses, your tempos. Give God your rhythm. Because of the good news of Jesus Christ, we aren't called to self-improvement. You see that? But to self-sacrifice. What would it look like if you gave your whole self? In light of what Christ has done, What would it look like if you gave your whole self? In light of everything, in light of who Jesus is and what he did for us, this is how we can respond. This is our act of worship. Notice he doesn't say our act of worship is to show up on Sunday and sing loud or sit on the front row, right? Our act of worship is to give our whole selves. In the next verse, in verse 2, look what it says. He goes on. He says, don't copy the pattern and the behavior, the rhythms of this world. This world, is, it means this age, this, this way of thinking. But let God transform you. There's this kind of old age, this old world, the Roman world in which his audience was living in, right? They had patterns and they had rhythms and they had customs and they had cultures and they had priorities and they had all of this kind of stuff. But Paul says, remember, because of Christ and his good news, you've received overwhelming victory. There's this old world, there's this old age, there's this old way of thinking, but you've been invited to think differently, to live in a new kind of world. Let God transform you. That word transform is in Greek, it's metamorpho. We know that word, right? That's what happens to caterpillars. When they turn into butterflies. And, and the change he's talking about isn't necessarily in our physio- physical ex- appearance. We don't sprout wings and fly away, but let God change your inner self. A transformed life lives not by the old rhythms, but a new rhythm that is good and pleasing and perfect, right? What that means, good, pleasing, and perfect, what it means is fully developed. What it means is mature. It means grown up. Allow God to transform your inner self so you can grow up, be fully grown. And make no mistake, God sent His Son So that you would be forgiven, yes. So that you would receive grace, yes. And too many Christians are sitting around receiving forgiveness and grace and not being metamorphosed, right? Because we want all the forgiveness that God offers. We want all of the grace that the good news of Jesus Christ brings. But I don't want to live in a different world, right? Make no mistake, Jesus came to change your life. To change all of our lives. That's huge. And you may not sprout wings, but when you're metamorphosed, your spouse is going to know it, right? People are going to be able to look at the rhythm of your life, your friends and your coworkers, and they're going to see something different about you. So, what does a metamorphosed like look life look like? Look at in verse 3. He he goes on to talk a little bit about this. He says, This is my privilege and authority God has given me. I, I give each of you this warning. Here, and, and he uses word language warning, but here's what he's here's what a metamorphosed life looks like. Metamorphoed life looks like. Don't think you're better than you really are. <laughs> Man, Paul would never get a job as a preacher today. <laughs> That cuts right to the heart, right? He doesn't pull any punches. He just says, I don't think you're better than you really are, but be, uh, be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. The, the thing that you should really be measuring, the thing that really matters is your faith. Faith is the only measure that's important. In the next couple of verses, in verses 4 through 8, he goes on, talks about this metamorphosed life. He uses the language of the body. I won't, I won't put him on the screen. We're going to talk about him some more in this, this teaching. But he talks about this body, and this body has many different parts. And yet, they're all united together. And there's this great teaching about uh, unity and diversity. But, but the important thing is to know that your part is essential. Your part is, we can't, we can't do it without you. And he talks about our parts a little bit more in verses 9 and 10. I know we're moving quick. He's talked about the metamorphosed life, the life that's been changed because of the good news of Jesus Christ. Now he says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Who's faking loving people? Let's just call those people out right now. And, and if there's a church, if, there's, if this is happening, let's just call it out right now and say, we're going to make a change right now. We're really going to love people. We're not always going to get it right, but this is our, this is our goal and our intention right here. To not just pretend, not just say the right words. Don't be a hypocrite, he says. Sincerity counts. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. The, the word is koinonia. It, it just, uh, it means a kind of brotherly love, a family love. It's, um, I, I know we kind of have members. You can place membership at Aspen Grove Christian Church, but I hate that way of thinking that it's like a country club. Like, well, one week I'm here and I'm in and I pay my dues. And now next week I'm going to go to a different country club. No, that's not the language of scripture at all. The language is family. Is family. And sometimes we get on each other's nerves and we rub shoulders. And I, I say that being a part of a church is like sharing a bathroom with someone. Sometimes we just it just is not as pleasant as you would like it to be, you know. And sometimes you just need your space, and sometimes we're going to tick each other off, right? But because of what Christ's done, we're bonded together. We're, we're, we're held together, not because we're members, because we're part of the same family. We're, we're, we're sharing something genuine between us. We delight in honoring each other. Verse 11 would we'll go on to say, Never be lazy, but, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. In this rhythm series, we're going to talk about work next week. And what is the rhythm of your work? And what does that look like? And why is that important? But verse 12, I love this. This is a great rhythm verse. Uh, Go back. One slide. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Do you hear that rhythm? Rejoice in hope. Be patient in trouble. Constant in prayer. I just gave you a a life verse for this year right there. Right? Right? powerful. He doesn't say live, laugh, love. He says rejoice in hope. And what is our confident hope? (laughs) Overwhelming victory. So we can be patient in trouble, and that gives us opportunity to keep praying. Verses 13 through 20, I want to read this together again. I know you heard it once already. He says, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see your honor, your See, you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their head. Um, Let's start at verse 13. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Be ready to help. Always eager to practice hospitality. We did hospitality challenges last year. The first one was to invite someone else from the church into your home. Maybe someone you don't know. I know we all, well, I know everyone in my church. No, you don't. Stop lying. It's a church. So invite someone else into your home. Our 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 homes have become um inhospitable unhospitable I don't know which one it is but our our homes have become kind of our fortress of solitude our refuge and sometimes well we're I'm embarrassed about my home or my size of my home that's that's not what this is about this is about when we open our homes up to people it shows that we've been metamorphosed right That we want to share our lives with others. Verse 14 says, bless those who persecute you. Make no mistake about it. The job of our church, the job of us as Christians is to bless. We forget that, right? Our job is to bless. One of the awesome things we did through Advent was just bless. I want people to know as they drive by that church, man, I don't know much about that church, but I know they bless this community. Our job is to bless not to curse our enemies. And and it even says, man, it goes a step further, and this is, this is going to be a hard one. It, it says, to, you know, it doesn't just say pray for our enemies, like pray for our enemies to get hit by a bus. Pray for our enemies to fall off a cliff. Pray for our enemy, and that's not what it says. It says, I want you to bless those who persecute you and pray that God will bless them. Man, that's that's a whole other level, isn't it? Are you praying that God will bless those who are being a pain in your neck right now? Man, and this is so, you see the parallels with Jesus' teaching. In verse 15, he talks about just being happy with those who are happy and weeping with those who weep. Be present in others' lives. Be empathetic. If you got time for other people, live in harmony with each other. Live in rhythm with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. Don't, don't think you know it all. He's, he seems to say that a lot. Is does he know us or something? Never pay back evil with evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Is your life honorable? Man. Honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. I love this because, you know, sometimes peace is, is not our... The, the reason we don't have peace in a relationship isn't necessarily because of us, Right? You know, there's two parts in this and there may be a whole other part of it here that you can't control and there's, that's the reason why things haven't been resolved and things haven't been reconciled. But what he says is, I know there's two parts to everything, but make sure your part is on point. You see that? Make sure the reason that this thing isn't fixed, this thing isn't resolved, is not you. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Never take... Revenge. Instead, leave that to God. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. Thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing so, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. And and it's not a way of a. Um, if I treat my enemies nice, that'll really get them. No, it's not. It's not about that. It, it's about. Um, It works the same way with us. When we hold on to things, when we hold on to grudges, when we hold on to resentment, when we hold on to anger, when we hold on to to frustration and all this kind of stuff, it's like holding a burning coal in our hands, right? And, And it says that's what it would be like for them. But your kindness can go a long way. Your kindness towards someone who is still holding on to that thing can can break a hostile person's heart and bring them to repentance. And then finally, verse, uh, verse 21 is the Nike verse. You guys know Nike in Greek, it means victory. Verse 21, it simply says, Don't let evil, don't let Nike conquer, or, or don't let evil Nike you. Instead, Nike evil by doing good. That's what it says. Don't let yourself. Don't let evil win a victory over you, but win a victory over evil by doing good. So for 11 chapters, Paul states, this is the gospel, this is the good news of Jesus Christ. This is why he comes, he he came. And then in verse 12 he says, because of the love of God displayed in Christ Jesus, live sacrificially Give your whole self to to a new age, a new world, a new rhythm. Live humbly, united with others. Don't be a faker, really love, hate evil, pursue what is good. Work hard at serving the Lord and honoring others. Verse 12, rejoice in confident hope, patient in trouble, constant in prayer, always ready to help, eager to practice hospitality. Bless your enemies and ask God to do the same. Be empathetic to those around you. Live in harmony with others. Don't be too proud. Don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil for evil, but live honorably. Make every effort to live in peace. Never take revenge. He says, if you want to defeat the dark side, you do it by doing good. Living lives that are good and pleasing and perfect, fully grown lives, lives that have been transform lives that have been metamorphosed by the overwhelming victory we have received in the love and good news of Jesus Christ. So in just a moment, we're going to take, a, take communion, and we have stations set up around the room. We're going to invite you to just a really important time for, for you to commune with God, to, to think about maybe that Romans chapter 8 what does it mean to have overwhelming victory? And am I, am I really living like someone who's received overwhelming victory? Was, was Christ's birth that we celebrated just a couple of weeks ago? Is that just another day on my calendar? Or has it done something to me to my whole self? Have I given my whole self to this? or am I holding back? When you look into the temple, the, the tempo, the the pulse, the pattern of your life, what do you see? Is your life out of rhythm? Does your use of time and energy, do, do your worries and fears, your schedule, your priorities, do they all line up with Are they in rhythm with the good news of Jesus Christ? And if you were to really choose to live in rhythm with God again, to live in rhythm with Christ again, to find Him again, what in you would have to change? I love Paul's list uh, because uh, I feel like the things he talks about In Romans 12, no one ever lists on their uh, 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 New Year's resolutions, right? Talk about a lot of things of I'm going to quit smoking and I'm going to spend time in nature. How many of you put uh, live sacrificially or really love or live in harmony with others? This is what it means to live in rhythm with God to live in rhythm with his spirit to live in rhythm with Jesus and it's not too late you can start today in just a few moments i'm going to say a prayer give you a chance to respond if god's put it on your heart to respond maybe things have just been out of balance i use the language of sideways all of us get sideways sometimes maybe your life is a little bit sideways maybe your priority is a little bit sideways i get sideways you get sideways maybe it's time to Find that balance, that timing, that tempo, that rhythm again. If there's a way we can do that as a church, a way we can pray for you or serve you, man, that's that's what we want. Maybe you're ready to give your life to the rhythm of God and just go all in and say, God, I want to give you my whole self. We'd love to receive you in baptism. You can give your whole self right now. Be born again. Be metamorphosed. Let's pray together, Father God. I thank you so much for your Son Jesus, for 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 what He is, for for who He is, and for what He's done in us and through us. And Father God, as we who um, we who are recipients of His His grace and and forgiveness through His sacrifice, Father God, because of His 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 blood spilled for us and His body broken for us, Father God. Let that, uh, let that not just hit us as, as forgiveness, but let that hit us as change. Draw out of us, Father God, those those parts of our lives that we know we aren't living in rhythm with you and you what you want for us. Father God, draw our attention even right now as we pray to those corners, those cracks, those crevices, those deep places in us that maybe we've tried to hold on to ways we've tried to hold on to this world and the world around us instead of really giving our whole selves to you and being changed. Father God, let us choose a a whole new list of um, resolutions. Let us begin to value the things that you value, goodness and kindness and peace (laughs) with, with new effort. Father God, let us begin to walk in a new rhythm, confident in hope and patient in troubles and constant in prayer. Father God, our lives sometimes get so tragically out of rhythm. We ask now, even in this moment, that you would line us up again, draw us near to you. Father God, we offer you this prayer and and our whole selves in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, everyone together says, amen. I dismiss you to a time of communion and response.